When you were a kid, did you ever play football? Now, I'm not, I'm not even talking about, like, organized football. I'm talking more about football in the street with the neighbor kids, okay, or in the backyard maybe. Raise your hand, were you, were you a, a street football player back in the day? Okay. Um, did, you, did you like to be on offense better or on defense? Who, who preferred to be on defense for football? Okay, a few people, yeah, it's a certain personality type that likes that. Um, what about offense? Who, who preferred to be on offense? Yeah, okay. A lot of people not voting, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember um, especially if there was an odd number of players, sometimes we would employ the very coveted position of all-time quarterback. And oh, did I long to be the all-time quarterback in my youth. And, uh, but I just, it, it wasn't to be. I was not good enough to be the all-time quarterback. I did not really know where my passes were going. Uh, so I still, I'm trying to deal with that here in public, this, this deep-seated resentment about that. Um, but all-time quarterback, I mean, it was always the most coveted position. You, you, you have to be on offense all the time. And we all know it's more fun to be on offense, right? Because you get to score. You get to have the ball all the time. And so I was very jealous and I guess still am, about the all-time quarterback. Speaking of offense versus defense, if we can go to the next slide here, um, if we had to think about here, us as the church, as the body of Christ, this is kind of a strange question. You might be thinking, why is my pastor so obsessed with sports that he has to bring offense and defense to church with him? But if you, if you had to think about that, is the church on offense or is it on defense? What do you guys think? Is the church on offense or is it on defense? Now, there are times throughout the scriptures where um, the Christian life is depicted in different ways and for, for different reasons, framed in certain ways. Um, so you could probably vote uh, rightly on either side of this. But I think in our text today, Jesus does land on one answer being right over against the other one. So think about that. If you had to guess... If you had to vote, is the church on offense or is it on defense? Now, I'm asking um, what the reality is, not just what it seems like. Because I will, I will grant you that when I just wake up and I look at, out at the cultural landscape, uh, ooh, it sure feels like the church is on defense, doesn't it, in a lot of ways? I'm thinking of, you know, just long-held foundational biblical beliefs that even over like the last five or 10 years are crumbling away at lightning speed. It's like kind of hard to get your bearings anymore. Um, so there's that feeling, that general feeling that, ooh, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if we're on, I think it kind of seems like we're back on our heels on the defensive all the time. Uh, but also just facts and figures bear this out as well as the number of people who confess Christ as Lord and Savior is dwindling you used to look at church membership is down, church attendance is down. I mean, just, it's, it feels like maybe we're on the defensive. But I think that in our gospel text here today, we're going to see that Jesus actually tells us that the church is on offense. The church is on offense. Now, as it's led by him, the church is on offense. And we're going to talk about this. This is, this is one of those texts 
Uh, you guys have all probably heard dozens of sermons on this text before. It's a preacher's dream and a preacher's nightmare at the same time because there's a bunch of different ways you could go with it. Um, so it's like, oh, I have a lot of different options. But then the, the trouble is past some pastors um, will try to preach like eight different sermons then at the same time. So, ooh, it's been, a, it's been kind of a hard one for me. Just, I can only preach one sermon, I think. I think that's all you guys signed on for today. Um, but I believe that in this wonderful gospel text, Jesus tells us that the church is on offense as it is being led by him. And so I want to go to the next slide. This is my... This is my little attempt here to sum up this text in a way that is uh, just annoying enough because of the rhyming that you guys will not forget it, okay? So here's my, my little summary of Matthew 16, 13 through 20 is, you gotta know so you can throw at the foe, okay? You're gonna try to get that out of your head and you're gonna be unsuccessful as the week goes on, and that's my dream. Uh, you gotta know so you can throw at the foe. What does this mean? Well, first of all, we got to figure out um, what, uh, what, what, what this, is a very, this is a very offensive way. You know, we're, throw, we're, throwing, at, we're throwing at someone here. Um, so Jesus says that we're on offense. I have to share a, a quick story here. So uh, back when I was in college, which as a weird phenomenon, that seems like farther and farther away from, with each passing year. Uh, but I went to college at Concordia, uh, Chicago, and it's, a, it's a, one of our wonderful Lutheran, you know, LCMS colleges. And I was in what's called the pre-seminary program because I wanted to be a pastor. There were dozens of other students there preparing uh, to go to the seminary eventually after undergrad. And our campus pastor would schedule these uh, retreats for us, these gatherings for all the pre-seminary students. And um, one year, he said, hey, guys, I have uh, come up with a different uh, a rebranding for the pre-seminary retreat this year. Instead of the pre-seminary retreat, we're going to call it the pre-seminary attack because real men do not retreat. Okay? You guys, you have my permission to groan now. Okay? Or you can, if you didn't get it, you'll get it on the way home and you can groan in the car. Um, pastors have lame jokes, I know. But Jesus, in much the same way, Jesus is saying the church is not retreating. The church is actually on offense. And you can be on offense if you know Jesus. That's our first thing here. If we go to the first slide, or the next slide here, uh, you gotta know. So we're gonna break this up into the three rhyming sections. You gotta know who Jesus is. So Jesus begins this conversation with his disciples. He's asking them a question. And it's kind of, uh, kind of seems like Jesus is in gossipy mode. He's like, hey guys, who are people saying that I am? He's like asking for the scuttlebutt around town. You know, what, what are people saying about me? And, and they say, well, yeah, they say, maybe you're John the Baptist, maybe you're Jeremiah, maybe you're one of the prophets. You know, these are pretty high opinions about Jesus, but they are falling short of who Jesus actually is. And so Jesus then turns it around on the disciples and he says, okay, that's all well and good, but who do you say that I am? He's trying to figure out if they know who he is. And Peter speaks up. B big shock, right? Peter, if you know the disciples, Peter's the one. And you can just imagine the rest of the disciples. It's almost like, okay, Peter's talking again. I, I can't even look. I'm so embarrassed. I already know he's going to put his foot in his mouth. I'm going to have to help him yank it out. Um, but Peter, as a miracle, he gets the answer right. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's amazing that he gets the, he gets the confession right. Um, 
But the amazing thing is that Peter did not, he doesn't really get the credit for this one. And Jesus even says that. Uh, Peter did not come up with this all on his own. It wasn't like Peter was studying all of his notes so well about Jesus and he was just so smart, it finally all clicked into place for him. Uh, it wasn't even, I'm not trying to say that Peter cheated though either. It's not, it's not even that you know one of the other star classmates passed him a note with the right answer, like, you know, teacher's pet John probably had the right answer. Uh, but no, Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Rather, it was my Father in heaven. God the Father reveals this answer to Peter. So you know the answer is right. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You gotta know who Jesus is. In the battle that's going on here in this world, you gotta know Jesus you got to know that he is the one who has come down from heaven uh, to wage this war against the foe on our behalf. you got to know who he is. you got to know he's your Lord. you got to know he's your Savior. you got to know that he has won the victory by his death on the cross, by his resurrection from the dead. Sin and death and the devil are done. Jesus is on the winning side. And by faith in him, by confessing his name, you and I share the victory. You gotta know who Jesus is. So that you can throw. Our next slide. So you can throw. Now this confession, Jesus says, this confession by Peter, he says this is a strong as a rock foundation for your life. And he has some nice word play going on here. Um, you know, he's already given Simon, like, like Peter's original name was Simon, right? And right away Jesus says, no, nah, that's not going to do. We're going to call you Peter, which is the Greek word petros, meaning rock. So um, when Peter gets this answer right, Jesus says, you know, you are Peter. You are the rock, and on this rock, on the rock of your confession of faith about me, I'm going to build my church. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus says that this, this rock, this confession of faith, this is going to be the weapon that you are going to need against the foe. And so now you have this rock, and Jesus says you are meant to throw this rock. Does anybody like to throw rocks? Yes. Amen, brother. Yeah, you guys, you guys should all be raising your hand. This is, I know all kids like to throw rocks. This does not, this, this desire does not die out as you get older. I know that. I know it for a fact, okay? Um, my family and I, we love to go hiking. Uh, one of our favorite places to go is French Creek in Sheffield. Um, and there are, there's a lot of good places to hike, but there's a lot of good places to throw rocks there also. Uh, so my kids, well, first of all, when, we, when we, get, we get down to the creek and there's like kind of all the, the rocks there, usually it starts off fairly calm, calm being a relative term for my family. Um, but we, we usually start off, we pick out some nice rocks and we're, we're like, you know, skipping stones. You know, my kids are better than me at that uh, too. Uh, but then it, it starts to devolve into, well, who can throw the rocks across the creek and the rock wall there? And we're just like tossing them out there. I've already said my throwing is not very good in, in my mid to late 30s now. My shoulder gets kind of hurt doing that. So I try to show off a little too much. Uh, but, we're, but we're throwing rocks. We have a very strict no throwing rocks at the siblings rule, which is abided by, you know, 97% of the time. It goes pretty well. Uh, but throwing rocks is fun, okay? Now, I don't condone throwing rocks at, at anyone uh, that Jesus says it's not okay to throw rocks at. But in the context of this, when the gates of hell 
are the target, when that's the enemy, Jesus says, go ahead and launch them. And so that's, that's the powerful, that is the, the offensive thing that we can do is by confessing Jesus, we can launch an attack on the gates of hell. And Jesus says the gates of hell will not stand up against us. You gotta know so you can throw. And I'm reminded, whenever I think about uh, throwing rocks in the context of uh, being on God's team against an enemy, you have to think, you have to go way back in time to a very popular Sunday school story. Um, there's, there's, another, there's another story where there's a fearsome enemy lined up against the people of God. The people of Israel on this side, the Philistines over here, and who's the big bad boss man of the Philistines? That big tall guy, what's his name? Goliath, right? You gotta go like this when you're talking about him. Yeah, so Goliath is the giant, and how many of the people of Israel are lining up to go face him, right? Exactly that many, right? Zero, none of them. They are on their heels. They are thinking, how are we gonna retreat? How are we gonna play defense against this guy? But God selects the puniest of all his people, David, and what does he arm David with in this battle? Stones, rocks, yeah, he's got a slingshot. He says, go down to the, to the river, get some, gets five smooth stones, put them in the slingshot, and he says, let it rip. And, he, and what, is, what does David do? He fells the giant. Goliath stands for everything, you know, negative, everything scary against the people of God, and he goes toppling over. And David, was David scared? Yeah, maybe he was scared, but he, he knew he knew the promises of God. You gotta know so you can throw at the foe. We learned that from David, we learned that here from Jesus and Peter in this story. You gotta know Jesus so you can throw that confession, you can throw that gospel message against the foe. And the foe is Satan, we know that. On our own, if it was just us lined up against Satan, we would be terrified, we would be shaking, we'd be running away. But when Jesus is on our side and we have the promises and the power of Jesus, we know that Satan is doomed, that the victory is already ours, and that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Satan, in fact, he is the one that is on the defensive. Now, I, I remember, whenever I think of this text, um, I always think about this conference that I went to a few years back, and the speaker was talking about this, and he was even talking about this, most Christians today, they kinda feel like we're on the defensive, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah we kinda know that God has won the battle, but we're, I don't know, we're just kinda wringing our hands, we don't know what to do. And he said, we hear this about the gates of hell, and it's almost like we think the gates of hell are like coming at us, right? The gates of hell are closing in upon us, ready to smush us. Um, and then he brought up the movie Star Wars. Did you guys see the, the original Star Wars, the 1977 one? It's the first one, but it's also the fourth one in some, for some weird reason, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm not gonna apologize for um, ruining part of a 46-year-old movie, so if you haven't seen it, just close your ears. Uh, but the good guys that are in the Death Star and the, the trash compactor, they're in the trash compactor scene, you know? It's closing in upon them, it's gonna smush them. That's not how the gates of hell are. Right? The, the gates of hell, that, that's, a, that's a defensive structure, right? 
The gates of hell are not coming to smush you. Led by Jesus, we are going out with that, that rock of the confession of who Jesus is, and it is, it's beating and battering on the gates of hell. Jesus is in, is in control. Jesus himself really is the rock that crashed into the gates of hell and busted it apart. And we're on Jesus' team. We have the victory through Jesus. Now I wanna, here with our last slide here, I, wanna, I want us to reflect on um, how does the church throw rocks at the gates of hell? This should be, um, if it isn't already, this should be your favorite new hobby, okay? We have to throw rocks at the gates of hell. <laughs> when do we start? Immediately. Uh, but how do we do that today? Well, we're actually doing it right now, which is pretty cool, right? Whenever God's people gather for worship, we are gathering, we are confessing who Jesus is. We are confessing um, among ourselves. You know, as we sing his praises, as we hear God's word, as we did what we did a little bit ago, we stood up and we confessed the creed, this ancient confession of our belief in God and what he has done for us. When we do these things, Satan is shaken. The gates of hell are shaking. And it's amazing how, how offensive Jesus is. He even says at the end of the text, he talks about how the, uh, he gives a key to us. He gives a key that will actually unlock the gates of heaven, in fact. And, and that key is the preaching of the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus. The preaching that for all the world to receive that Jesus, by his death and by his resurrection, by his victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil, that your sins are forgiven. We know this. We rejoice in this confession, and this is ours to share with the rest of the world. And by so doing, we are throwing rocks at the gates of hell. But this is really important to, to think about, that, that as Jesus, this is the reason why Jesus comes down from heaven to wage this war against Satan, is because every one of us when we're born, we're born sinners. We're actually born behind bars. We're born in Satan's kingdom. We're behind the gates of hell, and we need Jesus to smash him down and bring us out and then unlock the gates of heaven and welcome us in. That's our reality now, and we, as God's people, marching forward in this battle, we get to share this same gospel message to the world to proclaim the forgiveness of sins and actually bust people out and unlock heaven and receive them in. What an amazing thing for us to, to be part of that victorious battle that Jesus has won, but we get to share this message. We get to fling rocks at the gates of hell. So you gotta know, so you can throw at the foe. Keep learning more about Jesus. Keep confessing, keep growing in that knowledge so that you can be a part of throwing at the foe and proclaiming the gospel message of forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, the one that we have received, the one that we get to share as we go out from here. May Jesus give us strength and boldness as we do that. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed to us, just as you revealed to Peter long ago, that Jesus is the Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Help us to take all confidence and, and assurance in his 
cross and empty tomb victory over Satan and help us to go out and to, to fling that rock of confession, that, that, that good news that breaks down the gates of hell so that others may know what Jesus has done for them. We pray this all in Jesus' name.